Welcome to the Aligned Musician Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly Hankins, and I'm a violist as well as a yoga and breathwork facilitator. I created this podcast to empower musicians like you to find your own path towards healing and normalize conversations around musicians' wellness. I'm so grateful for your support and thank you for joining me. In addition to his 14 solo recordings, 10 string touch guitarist Trey Gunn has toured and or recorded with King Crimson, David Sylvian, Vernon Reed, Brian Eno, Azam Ali, Maynard J. Kennans, John Paul Jones, Robert Fripp, and Stephen Wilson of Porcupine Tree. He is currently performing solo and with the groups TU, KTU, Three Below, The Security Project, and the three-dimensional performance group, Kodia. I hope I'm pronouncing all of this right. Close enough. <laughs> and, um, when not on the road, Gunn continues his work scoring for TV film, runs his own media label, which is 7D Media, and coaches musicians and artists in the creative process. So Trey is doing so many amazing things. And I think we found each other kind of through the musicians wellness community here on Instagram. And I'm just really excited to have you on here and to talk with you more, Trey. Thank you. I'm having a little trouble with my camera here. Oh no. I, I, it keeps falling down. I'm trying to figure out where to put it. Okay. Oh, my buddy AJ is going to be so disappointed in my technology here. Okay, hold on. I almost got it. There we go. There we go. Oh, perfect. All right. So I'm just turning up a little. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, so Trey, uh, what would you like to share about your musician's wellness journey? Um, well, uh, first of all, it's really cool to talk about this kind of thing. Most most interviews, we're not we don't we don't get onto this subject. Um, I guess the biggest part for me is um, the instrument that I play, which uh, you can't really see. Well, I can't even grab it now because it's in, it's so far in the background. Uh, it's it uses a, a specialized technique that's a very very new technique, which is a, a, a tapping on the strings as opposed to holding a string and plucking it. And and when I say new, I'm I mean like in the last fifty years, uh, in opposition to your instrument that's been around for a couple of hundred years. So the technique. Really, we, we, to be honest, didn't really figure out even how to do the technique, what the, what the proper technique was until many decades after having the instrument be around. And what I found for myself was that um, basically I was getting... Uh, so much uh, stress and pain in my my elbows and my my wrists and hands uh, that I became concerned. I mean, I could play fine, uh, but my concern was, man, I want to be able to keep doing this for another twenty five years. And suddenly, I kind of had this fear of like, well, not a fear, but it was just a a, a sense of I'm not going to be able to do this. The, the 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 stress of the instrument. 
And um, what I discovered, so I started looking at the instrument. It, actually, the I'm going to bounce around quite a bit here. The 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 <laughs> the um, you know, I just kind of took the instrument as it was, like like many of us do who play this instrument. You just uh, and I'm sure the same for you. You know, you, you want to play the violin, so you just take it as it is and you play it, right? I had an interesting experience with um, when I was on tour with King Crimson once, and I wanted to be able to access two different instruments at the same time. So I had a fretless instrument and a fretted instrument. And within the same piece, I was wishing that I could have them both. But it's so challenging to get the instrument on. It's heavy, it has a strap, you've got cables, you've got cords, you've got, you know. And what I what I ended up doing, I can kind of demo with my ukulele here, is I took the instrument and laid it sideways and put it on a keyboard stand next to me. So I could, so I wore one of the, I wore the fretless instrument, and then I put the fretted one on a keyboard stand so that it was there, and I kind of could grab it and play a few notes like that. And this was somewhere around about 20 years ago. And I couldn't play it well, but I could play it well enough. And when I got off the road of that tour, I thought, man, I wonder what it would be like to, if, if I had the sense that there was this possibility to go further with the instrument if it was horizontal. So I kind of played around with that and I couldn't, I couldn't quite, it's quite a shift as you can imagine that I, 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 quite, I didn't quite have the place to, uh, the space to just go for it. But I had a sense of like, this is cool. Then I ran into this issues with my hands and wrists. And when I started to look at it really closely, I, I started, I thought maybe I should experiment with playing horizontally more. And that led me to do a lot of experiments with playing horizontally. And now I'm, the short story is I've committed to uh, play horizontally pretty much like 90, 95% of the time. Oh, wow. Um, bouncing around. Okay, we'll put that to the side for a second. Okay. Uh, when my, when my wrists and uh, uh, elbows were giving me trouble, and it wasn't just the playing, it's also um, carrying your gear around the freaking world. You know, I, I couldn't go, I mean, even when I had roadies, there still would, I would often have three 50 pound cases that I was responsible for moving around the world. And it doesn't sound like a big deal at first, but day after day after day after day, and then you're playing shows and warming up and then grabbing these suitcases, it's, it's, uh, it's terrible. The stuff that we put our bodies through as musicians, it's, it's, uh, it's super unhealthy. Anyway, I was going to see a, a friend of mine who's an acupuncturist and he recommended just out of the blue, like you should go down and see, uh, you should go down and see Bruce Bookman down the street. He has an Aikido dojo. And uh, that could maybe help your wrist. And I was like, well, that sounds totally crazy, but I'll do it. I'll go down there. And I ended up um, going there. And uh, my child at the time, sh she started going. And I didn't actually, I was kind of afraid to go out on the mat because of what I saw. Uh, the, the, I don't know if you know much about Aikido, but there's a lot of throwing. There's a lot of wrist pins. And what I saw them doing to each other's wrists was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. So I kind of watched on the side for about six months. And then uh, eventually they lured me out onto the mat. And it pretty much within about six months, I um, 
started to lose the pain and the tension and um, just get a lot more flexibility and fluidity overall in the body and, and, and the presence, but also um, in the wrist. So, and obviously we can go back and talk more about that because that's kind of your, that, that seems like you're in your field there. Um, so at the same at the, at the same time, I started working, playing the instrument horizontally. And the fascinating thing, the first fascinating thing I discovered was um, I had to call up the guy who built my custom instruments. His name's Mark War. And that's why the instrument's called the War Guitar. I called him up and I said, Mark, I could swear, and it doesn't make any sense, but when I play the instrument held like a guitar, um, the dynamic range is like, let's say it's this wide. When I play it horizontally, it's so wide, I feel like I'm back in kindergarten. I can't control the notes. Notes are jumping out left and right. And he's like, ah, oh, I wonder if it's like to do with the string tension or the gravity or whatnot. And as we looked at it closer, it turns out, in my view, that there's um, a physical compression in the, the, the arm and hand mechanism where holding it like this, uh, it, it, the, it's more like you're just hitting a button and you're, you, you can't really, in my experience, you can't really make a, a, a dynamic phrase where as soon as I started playing horizontally, for one, there's gravity, mm. but also um, the wrists are free to move and all the, um, the fascia and everything is free to move. And, I, I can sort of demonstrate, and I sure, I'm sure you'll get it because the, the the violin is, man, it's got to be one of the worst instruments to play, I think. But when when I hold it horizontally, you have to reach around the neck and the, the wrist is bent like this. Mm. And every position on the instrument, your the angle of your wrist is different. So the tension, the, it, it, it's just ridiculous. So as soon as I went horizontally, these uh, the tendons and the ligaments could all move freely. And the dynamic range was so wide, actually my playing sounded like crap. I couldn't, I couldn't really control the notes. So I spent a couple of years working on that. So that kind of went simultaneously with the uh, keto work. All right, that's my, that's my medium leg story. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, wow, like I, first of all, I can totally relate to that, you know, feeling pain in your arms and not really knowing like how to move forward and feeling like, okay, I have to change the way I'm doing this. Um, and that can, even though, even though in the end, you know, it's going to feel better when you're first starting to make those changes and find like a better way of playing for yourself, that may be totally different than what everyone else in the world is modeling or doing. It can feel so uncomfortable and, um, and it's scary, you know, to sound worse before you start sounding better sometimes. Well, and you don't know if it's going to work out. Yeah, there's that you know? too. I mean, at least you, at least in your tradition, you, you probably have stories of uh, musicians in the past who had issues and worked through them. Although the, the technology, and I use the word technology, you know, loosely here that we have today, um, you know, with, with, uh, just the knowledge that we have about the body and, and presence and attention and relaxation, there's a lot of skill sets available for us to access, but you still don't know what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And 
it's interesting too because but you bring that up that like historically there are other people that have had these issues and you're so right um at least um so i i do play violin and i'm a violinist i'm also a violist okay and um in the history of the viola lionel turtis who is one of the famous most more famous violists of the 20th century um he had to stop playing later in life because of arm inflammation but back then you wouldn't ever diagnose people with like tendonitis or like any of these other things it was just Mm -hmm. like inflammation of the tissues um and they didn't really have the language to describe what was happening inside of the body and it makes me wonder too like how many musicians in the past historically have really struggled with these same issues but um either because of lack of medical knowledge or um you know feeling like people can't really talk about what they're going through because of the stigma surrounding some of these issues um it becomes really hard to know exactly like how long these issues have been happening and exactly how many people who are professional musicians or even students or um, enthusiasts are are struggling as well. Um, And I think that music can be such a healing modality, but like when it takes suffering and like sacrificing our own health and well-being in service of the music, I think that's where, you know, it starts to become really hard to see the the healing power of music when you're 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 just constantly yeah and you're not you're not supposed to well i mean you're you're not supposed to talk about it but also it takes away from the presentation of the music if you're talking about that right i think you know yeah Yeah. and i mean something even you know like i've i've been talking about these issues for like two years now um that i've really started being more public about them but even so i still come up against uh, you know, people who are afraid that if we talk about these issues that kids won't want to have music lessons because mm. they'll be afraid of, of injury or pain or whatever. And, but at the same time, it's like, if we're not talking about these things, then that means we're not finding solutions, <laughs> you right, know, right, like, right, 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 right. how to move forward. So I think it's, it's definitely a, a challenging topic. Well, but then you can say, well, there's plenty of kids playing football and soccer and there's 90 kids at the Aikido Dojo that I go to and people get hurt. They still go. Kids still go. (laughs) If it's fun, you know, if it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I think it's so interesting. Like this is, this is such a, it seems like such a basic thing when you, when you think about it. But this like bending at the wrist when we play, there's so many instruments in which it's possible to play with a wrist like this, you know, like piano, Mm. organ, Mm. I mean, even conducting. um, Yeah, pretty much every instrument is possible to bend at the wrist. And um, something I often have my students do, and and if you're one of my students who's watching this, like (laughs) you're about to space out because you've heard this a million times. But if you bend, uh, if you bend your wrist as far as it will go with your fingers pointing down towards your elbow and you try to wiggle your fingers and just feel how challenging that is mm-hmm. and then try straightening your wrist and bending the fingers, wiggling yeah. the fingers yeah. and 
so much easier. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then, then, then also for me, the wrist is also doing, used to, used to be doing this as well. So you're, oh, yeah. Turning. you're down and then under, you know, and, um, you know, it's really, um, what's, what's quite, I think interesting about my instrument is that, um, the sound is actually, I mean, I can demo it on the ukulele a little bit. The sound is just from the, from the touch. So you don't have any of the, you don't have control of the tone at all like you do with a, when, you, when you're plucking or, you know, like, like taking the bow away from you and saying, you, you, you can't use that. There, there's no, there's not, there's not that aspect. So the, the, the tone production is, it's a singular motion. That's it. That's all you get. And then once you've done it, you're, you're, you're done. You can't do anything with the tone anymore. That combined with the fact that, um, I also use a different tuning. I'm, I'm tuned in fifths like you. Oh, interesting. Instead of fourths. Yeah. I've been tuned like that since the mid eighties, which, which I love. I mean, actually my ukulele is tuned same, same way. I don't, I don't use the force at all. And that means that as you move across the strings, the, the, the tone changes quicker than on a regular guitar. Cause with the force, the, the strings kind of, each string is, is a closer sibling to the next string, but with the fist, they're further away. And the instrument is six octaves. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is everywhere on the instrument sounds different. In fact, I can do, I've got like four different middle C's and they all sound different. And every place on the instrument, the, 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 at least the previous way I'm play, playing it, the, the positions of the wrists are utterly different. So the angle here is different, the angle here is different and the strings sound different. So it's, it was very, very challenging to, to uh, um, make the instrument sounds uh, completely integrated. Whereas when I go side, when I go horizontal, there's so much more, um, there's just so much more connection somehow for me. And I, there's a couple of, there's a few, there aren't that many people who play this instrument. There's a, maybe a few thousand, maybe, maybe, I don't know, could be five, I don't know. Uh, and, and there's a couple of us who play, play horizontally, but for me, it feels like it's the, it's the, the future. Uh, not a lot of people agree with me, but uh, yeah. It sounds to me the way that you're describing it, that it's a lot like one of those, like a zither or like a cembalom or one of those instruments where like you are manipulating it with both of your hands and it's, it's horizontal, but it's also mm. a string instrument. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I could see how that, that allows for so much more freedom because you're, you're both of your hands are freed up and you're yeah. able to see everything that's going on. Um, yeah. And of course the wrists don't have to be at these extreme angles to be able to find all of the notes. So that sounds like a really great. And also the weight, there's no weight on your shoulder. Oh yeah. You know, the, the uh, it's funny. My, I have several friends who, who, uh, we started going to chiropractors as well, which I do a lot because because of my martial arts practice, just to get my body put back together. 
And um, I went to my guy here in town who's is really amazing. He took an x-ray and he's like, man, your left hip is like six millimeters off from your right one. And it was like, what's going on there? I was like, oh, well, you know, as guitar players, we stand on one foot and we use our volume pedals with the other foot. And almost all the guitar players I know were our hips are totally out of alignment. So, and, and, and the, the instrument's pulling on the other shoulder, so. See, I think, I think guitar has to be one of the most un, uh, ergonomic instruments because of that too. Like your hips are never stable. You know, even with classical guitar, there's always like one foot on a, on a stool of some kind or a stand. And it just yeah. doesn't seem very um, natural to me. That's funny because for me, the violin feels like one of the worst. <laughs> violin, I would say in viola too, because viola is not, it doesn't have a standard size. Um, and oh, is that right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, viola is not a, it's not an acoustically perfect instrument. And so the makers really have, you know, kind of experimented with the dimensions of it. And there are so many old school viola teachers right now that believe that in order to have a good sound, you have to play on like something bigger than a 16 inch viola, which for many people is just, it's so hard to get around. And then in first position, which is like the lowest position on the instrument, your fingers have to be just so far apart. And it's farther out same notes yeah and it's much further away from the body interesting so um i think you know i think viola is harder in that sense and that um if you're playing an instrument that's just too big for you then you're never <laughs> you're never really going to um be able to play in a way where you have easy ability fluency throughout the entire instrument so huh. i think it's definitely one of the challenges um I'd I didn't know that. Out of the people in the musicians wellness community, it seems like it seems like there's a lot of us violists. There's a lot of flute players. Um, I think because of the weight of the instrument and how they're holding it out to the side. To the side, interesting. And also, bass trombonists because their instruments are also very heavy as well, and they're having to like hold it. Out the back for their back I bet wow wow yeah I would think like oboe clarinet it's got to be easy yeah <laughs> maybe it's not but it's it seems like uh you're just so naturally there right or yeah. singer yeah or singer yeah I mean I don't know I don't know what the easiest instrument to play would be I also sometimes think piano piano has to be one of the easier ones I don't it, know it definitely I mean when when I shifted to being horizontal it was like oh my god I, I get to use gravity now and 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 it's like what a simple straightforward concept that I've always been going against gravity and now you can um, the, the relaxation is in in concert with gravity mm, uh, so yeah. you know there's there's that. I mean, we know pianists do suffer, but. Uh, I mean, I struggled with piano a lot and I, I would not consider myself a very good pianist, but I played piano since I was in second grade. And I just find it personally to be really hard for me to like play that many notes at the same time. That was mm -hmm. always really cognitively challenging. But I think, yeah, from a physical standpoint, it's like, oh, like this, you know, you're just allowing gravity to help you. And I can totally see 
right, how right, that would right, be right. helpful. So did um, you did you uh, did you like have a specific um, discomfort or I don't know injury or something that 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 led you? Yeah, even in I this had, direction. So I had shoulder tendonitis in my left shoulder when I was preparing for grad school auditions when I was an undergrad, and. Um, and for me, I, much in the same way as you, like, I just played through the pain. I was like, you know what, you know, no pain, no gain, like, this must be part of it. And I felt like I was really behind. Um, and there was one particular day where I was practicing and practicing. You and mean, you mean, because you, sorry, because you thought other people weren't suffering. Is that what you mean by behind or? I felt like I was behind because I started so late and I felt like, Oh, just in general behind. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Like I had a lot of catch up work to do with my technique, with repertoire. I just, I was just feeling like I had to do so much mm -hmm. to be at the same level as my peers. Um, and I was practicing one day and suddenly I couldn't hold my instrument up anymore. Like my body would not allow me to do that. And got diagnosed with tendonitis and felt like I had zero support um, from, from my community. Nobody wanted to talk about these issues. And um, I just remember feeling like so isolated when I was going through that. Like, I felt like I was the only person that was experiencing injury because I never heard anyone else talk about it. And then I didn't feel like I had a lot of resources to get me through that time. But um, yoga was something that I found very helpful. And just the, the sense of self-awareness and the self-study, I think, was what really, really helped me go down this path of figuring out a way of playing that worked for me. Um, did you find that with Aikido, that, like, that there was a sense of body awareness there? Or Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I, I, was, I was thankfully... Um trained a bit earlier on uh, in, in, in various forms of relaxation, which we're not normally taught. You know, it's, you're just kind of given the command, relax, but, but um, it's not that simple. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a whole practice to learn to relax. And, and it's one of the fascinating things about the instrument that, um, and my buddy, Marcus Reuter, who, who, also plays my instrument, the same instrument, and has kind of worked out a pretty deep way of, he's really codified the technique in a way that's helped a lot of us, um, is that you have to, it's very simple and, but overlooked is that when you, when we tap, you put the energy into the string and then you're holding it down and it's ringing, right? You have to, you have to send relaxation in the moment after you've made the tap. You know, you're not, you're not squeezing the sound out anymore. You're done. So the only way you can sustain uh, your energy, just like through, through a particular phrase or through a whole piece, or let's say through a whole show or through your whole life as a musician is if you're constantly releasing constantly releasing and it's it's uh it's it's kind of um it's almost iconic in our in the way we play because you're you you you're 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 moving and you're tapping and, and every 
after every tap, there's you have to let go of, of the tension that gave you that action while you're holding it. And that it's a practice. You can't just you can't just say, oh, do that and, and then you do it. It's 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 more than that. So relaxation is a big thing. And then back to your Aikido question, yes, the um, the movements aren't possible without the right kind of relaxation and body awareness. And um, you, you're, it, it is a martial art and you're learning these martial techniques, but you're, you're, the, the process is integrating the whole body so that the foot isn't going that way and the head's going that way and the hand's going this way, the whole thing is becomes a becomes more of a one thing, which also sounds absurd to a lot of people. But as musicians, we know like you can tell your little finger to do something, but it may not it may not obey you <laughs> until it <laughs> until you until you learn to integrate it, which means you have to do work with it. You know, you you, you work with it. So that's that's just built into the practice of a keto. And, and also I've practiced jujitsu as well. And it's the same way you can't, you, you your, um, which is more, more direct rest, wrestling kind of where you're, you might be um, telling your, your legs are serving one function while your head's doing something else and your hands are over here doing this. And you have to, you just have to have an integrated center that's in touch with all of those things. And that's doesn't come, it doesn't come by nature. You have to, we have to work to make those connections that I think the potential, the potential of it is there, but you have to learn it and, and, and work it. Oh, absolutely. And just, um, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of experience with martial arts. I used to do Kudo for a couple of years, which is uh, like samurai archery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's it's much different. But the emphasis on feeling um, where your center of gravity is and how there's, mm -hmm. there is always this sense of like center. And every time you move away from center that you're still nobody's going to knock you off balance. Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm, always mm -hmm. this emphasis on feeling like you're very stable and there's like a firm foundation to, to you because otherwise, right. Somebody could come up and knock you off yeah. balance or push with a you finger. Forward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the same, you know, yoga is exactly the same. It's just, oh, it's sure. just set at a different speed. It's just at a different tempo, you know, and, and because of that, you're, um, you're actually, your awareness is, I don't know, it's, 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 I was going to say it's, it's, it's harder to get distracted. It's really easy to get distracted when there's a lot of movement going on, uh, you know, but you're right about the, the, the center of gravity. Center of gravity is, it's an amazing concept. I think it's also something that we don't talk about often as musicians or like at least it was never really talked about um, in my experience learning music but we're doing so much with our hands and we're moving so much of our upper body but we don't often take the time to ask ourselves like are we still moving from like a firm foundation or like um, at least in 
in, in yoga asana, which is like the physical movement part of yoga, which is actually a really small part of the practice. Um, but feeling the energy moving from the ground into your body and back into the ground. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the way that I often think about it is like closing a circuit that like your body is serving as like a, as a conduit of energy. <laughs> and that, yeah, mm -hmm. you want to, you want to feel like there's, um, yeah, like there's, there's energy moving through the body back into the earth, which is allowing you to feel really grounded. Mm -hmm. And it's just mm -hmm. a different way of feeling your center of gravity or your connection um, to the ground beneath you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it, that can sound really esoteric to some people, but it's really just as simple as, do I have sensation in my feet and where do I feel my weight? And funny enough, you, you bring this up because I was just, uh, I had a jujitsu session with um, my keto sensei last week and he weighs more than me. So when he's on top of me, it's heavy, but I have, I've had heavy guys on top of me before, but he has this way of um, being so unbelievably heavy. Mm. and it's it's uh it's a little bit of and i've been looking at it in my mind over the last week like how does he do that because it's it's a little bit of like letting the, the person that you're crushing uh take your weight but i feel like sometimes he's so grounded to the ground that he's actually pulling the earth up mm. against me to himself and it's, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's slightly, I mean, it sounds esoteric, but it's somehow he's grounded through me and he's just bringing the earth to himself and I just happen to be in between. And, you know, imagine that as a, a, a master musician on stage, also having that touch with the ground. There's just going to be, there's just going to be more action. Oh, absolutely. And more... I think also more, um, I mean, yeah, it does sound really esoteric and kind of woo woo when you think like just talking, but it's not, about it's it. not, it's but not. it's experiential. And I know for me, like when I'm performing, I'm, I oftentimes am visualizing like the energy from the ground moving up through my feet, up through my body and then out through my instrument. And I almost feel like I'm taking up like energy from the ground and feeling that moving through me. And there's a much different feeling to that when I play mm. that allows for more ease in my body rather than like pressure. Mm. Cause I think mm. when, when using things like pressure to try to like push sound out, that doesn't allow for a sense of like flow or ease at all. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. And so I think for me, it's just a way of kind of thinking through that process in a way that that makes sense to me but I know there's also many ways of thinking about it and something that came to my mind I know like if you're if you have a cat or like to listeners here that might have a cat when you're holding a cat and they want to be held there's like a lightness to them but I don't know I if you've had this experience but if I have a cat that doesn't want to be held they can move their weight in such a way where they suddenly feel like they're they're, they're heavier. Pounds heavier. Oh, that's clever. Right? And I it's thought like, of that. Oh, that's like they intuitively just know how to do that. They like, mm. but it's so, it's so funny. It's really interesting. Hmm. That's a great observation. <laughs> <laughs> Probably kids too. I mean, I'm not allowed, I don't have any kids myself, but I could see how that might be a thing. 
I will not move. <laughs> yeah. So when you started practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, did you find that that added any other layers, I guess, into your practicing or changed your awareness of how you play? Uh, yes, you know, I, I, yes and no. What, what, what happened both with uh, Aikido and Jiu-Jitsu when I, uh, there's this kind of honeymoon phase you have at the beginning where you're just seeing all these connections and I'm like, with Akita, I was like, oh, we're doing this practice. Man, I could totally see taking this practice to music and two people and you're, you know, uh, if, uh, one of the fascinating things about Akito is there may be uh, um, like a kata between two people. So there's certain movements, like a, almost like ballroom dancing where you're, you're gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do this. But let's say with weapons, especially like you're going through a, a series of movements with weapons and the timing is you're trying to be uh, blend with the other person and have good timing but there's no metronome so the timing is not how um how i feel and how most of the musicians i work with uh note time you know we we we, we use a we we use a grid of time, whether we stick to it or, or flow with it a lit, but this has no, no grid. It's just, I'm playing this phrase, then you're playing that phrase, and then we connect here. And I just got so excited about that as like a musical concept and how you could run with that and, and, and make practices. And then after about two years, I realized uh, I was just, I didn't quite have it right. I, I was just trying to, I was just uh, making the connection um, not in a false way, but uh, just in an experience, in inexperienced way. And the same thing with jujitsu. I had the same uh, experience. Like I immediately made all these musical connections and tried to see how they were the same, not how they were actually different. Now I've been doing it enough. I see them as quite different. But the thing about jujitsu is you are constantly facing failure, failure after failure after failure, because you're you're fighting with someone and the objective is for them to get you to submit and agree that the person has pinned you or choked you or you, you, you tap out. And when, when you uh, are working with more advanced people, they can just dominate you every 10 seconds and you're being crushed and you're, you're trying, like, I want to try this new thing and you can never get it. And you're just, <laughs> you're just constantly being shown that you're, you're, you don't have it. And, uh, but it's still really fun anyway. I, I really like it. And so the, 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 the kind of process through is so incremental. And even the practice is in incremental. When someone's pinned you, they say it's a game of inches. If you can just, if you can just move a little bit, you don't try to move six inches. You don't try to move a foot. You just try to move a half an inch and then get out another half an inch and another half an inch. And that's the way out. And you have to, you have to be, um, you have to get over some pretty intense fear of, uh, you know, anxiety of like, not, maybe I'm not going to be able to breathe. You can always tap out, but there's this, uh, kind of sense of anxiety and fear. And for me, it's so much mirror as being a professional musician. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, this kind of sense of like, just continuing to work in the face of failure.
basically, you know. Um, yeah. So it sounds like these practices have really helped to improve your mindset and approach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I, um, I don't know. Um, I didn't, I didn't go into these practices when I was closer to your age and like, you know, on the road for six months out of the year. I don't know. I, 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 I at the time, I, even now, if I look back, I can't see how I would have had the mindset to have these practices integrated into my life at the time. But it's so much, it's so much better life having something else going on besides music and asking your body to do other things other than the thing that you're doing with your instrument. You know, I'm sure I got a lot out of practicing eight to 10 hours a day for years after years after years. But it's also, I don't know, I'm not so convinced it's the best way. Hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I kind of my ideal is a few hours of jujitsu every day, a couple of hours of practice, writing, and then other stuff, you know. Um, I, I don't know how healthy it is to, to sit on your ass and practice for eight hours a day, <laughs> you know. I mean, you, you got to, to get good, you have to practice. Um, I guess I'm hoping like in a hundred years, we'll have figured out a, a more efficient way to balance all of this. Uh, and I, it seems like we are, it seems like we have all these um, new technologies and new ideas and new understandings that we can get there. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that too, because I think the way that we traditionally learn how to play music and how it's modeled to us is as something that is challenging, that we're told a lot that it's challenging and that we're told that we have to put in a certain number of hours in order to gain mastery over it. Mm. But I mean, just in life, I feel like we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. And I mean, when you think about just like studying any any subject, there are always people that are going to learn quickly by just reading it and then they, they magically have it learned. There are some people that don't have to study at all. There are some people that have to go home and like write out notes and make flashcards and study for six hours in order mm -hmm. to really retain it. Mm -hmm. And I think we all just, we're all different. Right. And to say to say that all of us need to go home and practice six hours every single day in order to retain what we've learned, I think is inaccurate. Yes. Maybe some of us do, but I think also that like we all are so very different in the ways that we learn and absorb information. Mm -hmm. um, and I totally agree though that that yeah all worked for hours on our self sense of self-awareness and body awareness how much better and how much easier it would be to learn something physical absolutely yeah you by chance haven't seen this um you haven't seen this uh isaac perlman masterclass have you on masterclass no it's unbelievable it is so good and he he talks about he says you should practice three hours a day one hour of scales one hour of etudes, one hour of repertoire, that's it. Okay, he's Isaac Perlman, but 
uh, I, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive, you know? And, and uh, I, I kind of wondered like, what if I had done something like that? Of course, you know, you, you guys have the, you guys had the advantage or maybe it's a disadvantage too, but certainly advantage of so many hundreds of years of people playing your instrument that you can kind of, you can jump on board a little bit easier than, 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 than my instrument, but three hours, that's doable. That's doable. And you know, he, 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 on, on, on the same uh, point you were bringing up, he did a whole, it's, it's a really cool masterclass because he talks a bit, he plays a bit, it's very specific about violin technique, which was interesting for me. And then he does uh, a few classes with about 20 of his Juilliard students and he has them play. He, he, he challenges them in different ways. And then he did a whole section on memorizing and, um, and um, like losing it on stage, mm -hmm. getting lost on stage. And he went through and talked with every one of them and got their experiences of what it's like. And it was so varied. Some people, they can memorize so easily. They don't have to put any effort at all. Other ones, like you're saying, they have to work so hard and they had to come up with, um, basically almost nobody could help them. They, each one of them had to come up with their own, who had challenges, come up with their own methods. Um, you know, all different methods. One of them, she, she learned how to solfege the whole, the whole piece and she would practice the solfege away from the instrument or they were visualized. Another guy, he just, you know, he just gets the impression and he knows it. Mm. So, so such a variety. Wow, that's yes. so cool. Yeah. Imagine three hours a day. I would have had, I would have had like double the life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I really put in my hours too. I mean, there was a good amount of time of my life where I really just practiced six hours a day religiously. Yeah, yeah. And then I think there is something, there's something to that with mindset, I think, because then, and, and confidence as well. I mm. think for myself, part of that experience, I taught myself that I taught myself that I wasn't prepared enough if I didn't practice mm. you know, mm. a few mm. hours of scales that day or, or go through my routine of practicing that I wasn't ready yet. Mm. But ideally, I should be able to pick up my instrument and play you know, and to retain whatever it is that I've worked on. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think it can be harmful when we were practicing that many, that many hours, or even I found myself getting into this very recently, where I realized about myself, I feel really, really good when I start my day with an hour of scale practice. Like, even if I don't get to repertoire, mm -hmm. even if that's all I do, I just feel really good about my playing that day. Mm -hmm. But then I had a day where like, I just didn't have time to do that. And I had to jump into a performance and I felt so uncomfortable, like more uncomfortable than usual doing that before I started my scale practice. And I was just like, well, like, but, how, but how did it go? Did the, was the performance okay or, or it went fine, yeah. but it was definitely much more of like an inner, an inner experience with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. I have a similar thing when I, when I'm, uh, um, 
when I'm, let's say I've traveled or I've been away or maybe I'm sick or I got injured and I'm away from the dojo for like a week or two, the first day back, I'm so nervous. And it's usually one of the best days I have. I'm like so refreshed and I'm relaxed and it's, it's actually our, it's all, it's all, it's in there already. You just have to just kind of chill out about it, but it, it, you know, it does take a while to get that sense that if I haven't practiced for a week and we used to say, you know, the monitors aren't working and you break a string and you only have five strings now and you can't hear anything. Can you still play well and have a good time? Have a good time. doesn't really matter, but can you play well? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, after, after you do it long enough, yeah, you can actually, you might have to, you might have to, uh, um, I don't know. You might have to pay a debt afterwards. You might be wasted afterwards, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There may be, you know, there probably is something to these long practice sessions for certain periods in your life. It definitely builds up um, confidence and fluidity and confidence is worth a lot. It's worth a lot more than, you know, that you just know when you're, when you go out there, no matter how bad you feel, it's going to be fine. That's, that's a pretty awesome feeling. Oh yeah, absolutely. So with your, um, with your coaching clients that are musicians, is there something common that you see a lot of people struggling with, or like, is there any advice that you'd have for musicians that are maybe struggling with their mindset or their approach to creativity? Um, yeah, the, one of the things that I notice a lot, and, um, I mean, I notice it in myself as well is, um, and the, my coaching practice is it's, it's, it's more uh, for in, in the domain of um, making something new, meaning you don't know what it is yet. So it's, it's, in the, it's in the kind of composing creative area rather than the performance area, usually. Um, and the, the trickiest challenge that I see is that you actually have to play different roles and wear different hats along the process. And if you put the wrong hat on at the wrong time, that's where everybody gets messed up. So <clears throat> I, can give you, I can give you a very short story. I kind of see it like a, a couple of different rooms that you have to go to to start, um, to let, let's say, end up with a new piece of music. You have, to have, um, you have to have a room where you just play in. And I kind of call it like the sandbox and there's no judgment. There's no, you're not trying to make anything. You're not trying to label anything. You're just, it's just, you're just like a kid playing with her trucks in the sandbox. And you're just discovering, oh, this, you know, I love these combinations of notes or this kind of rhythm or this kind of texture or this kind of sound. If you're, if you're a, uh, maybe more electronic musician, uh, composer. And then you need to bring it into um, a, sh a shaping it phase where you, you make a form for it. And then, you, then there's kind of the production phase where you actually make the thing. <clears throat> if it's a recording, that's very clear and simple. Or if it's a performance, that's clear and simple. And it can be more complicated, it can be more, um, divided up than that but let's say those, those three guys if the the producer phase where you're where you're making the thing if he comes and shows up at the sandbox it totally wrecks it 
like like he's springing judgment and and trying to make something into form when you're actually playing with the formless and experimenting and and you're kind of doing r and d and coming up with ideas if uh you know if this guy shows up down here he wrecks everything if if the sandbox player shows up at the production you know it's like you're in the middle of rehearsal you're a weekend to rehearsal and somebody's bringing some wild idea that undermines the whole thing then then it collapses and so it's it's that's kind of what I notice is that it's it's really helpful to kind of delineate these roles and say oh now I'm doing this role now I'm sandboxing you know now I'm uh, I'm shaping things and I'm kind of looking towards production I'm I'm not really I'm not really trying to discover and play the same way it's a little bit of a different role and that's one of the things I notice a lot and and I kind of have this, this model that I've just described to you, which goes in more detail that I find really helpful because you can get frustrated that you're, um, if, if the wrong guy shows up, it, it, it can just kill, it can just kill it at any stage or it feels like it kills it, you know? That makes so much sense. And I'm just, as you were describing that, I was running through so many situations like that that have come up in my life. And I think that that, that framework is so helpful. That's really interesting. I, and I think a lot of people just give up, you know, they just give up because they, they, um, they had the feeling of the sandbox, but then somebody told them, and you know, that also the fascinating thing is you don't have to do all of that. You can just stay in the sandbox your whole life. There's no reason to make anything beyond play. It's any, any, anytime you sense that it's, it's probably something outside of you telling you, oh, well, that's not legitimate or, or whatever, but you can just totally play or, you know, that we have so many more options open to us as musicians than the ones that are presented to us through, through cultural or profession. Um, so, yeah, or people have, you know, a great idea and then they can't quite form it because the guy, the, 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 you know, the producer of the show is coming in and saying, oh, it's not good enough or people aren't going to like it or, or whatever, you know, can, it can go wrong so many different ways. And a lot of people just stop when really it's just, uh, uh, it's, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, you just have to kind of figure out who's, <laughs> figure out the role that you're, you, you know, you're messing with. And then and also what suits you, it doesn't suit everyone too. It's, it's pretty specialized, the kind of coaching I do. It's not for, it's, 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 um, it's, it's kind of specialized musical process. I mean, I, can, I feel like I can help anybody to a certain degree, but for the folks who are really trying to discover uh, a new kind of music or a new kind of something that they don't know what it is at all yet, um, that's where I kind of, I kind of specialize. Uh, that's so cool. Thank you, thank you so much for being here. Today. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe, give us a rating, and follow on Instagram at The Aligned Musician. Thank you so much and take care.